Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode one, The Fate. Today we're going to be talking about Henry Reed Rathbone. And I'm your co-host, Mike Mack, and with me is my co-host... I am Mike B, or some people call me Bonomo. The Bonomo. Whatever you want. It's kind of hard to pronounce, but... uh, Whatever you want. Thanks for having me. There we go. Thanks for having me, man. We're always happy to be here. And we also have a special guest with us today. Sean Kleins. Sean, welcome to the show. <laughs> episode one. It's kind of a, a treat to have a guest episode one. <laughs> I mean, it's like just when we talked about this topic, I said, I have the man for the job. I think he's really going to bring a yeah, lot. Bring in the professional. Yeah, the professional. Yeah. Absolutely. With the bachelor's degree. Of course. <laughs> so... When we hear the name Henry Rathbone, what do you what do you know? I like, know nothing. You know nothing. No, I've never heard of this guy before I started researching this stuff. I knew the picture, the painting yeah. that he was in in the Link the Lincoln assassination that night. Uh, all the depictions of it, uh the paintings where he's on the left like pointing. I didn't know who that guy was. Yeah. So him being present there is uh just some something schmuck. I had to learn about. Yeah, yeah just some, some loser like in, made his way into the booth. <laughs> he got the uh, he got his fucking tickets on StubHub. <laughs> He's like, babe, I got some last night last minute tickets here. Please take it yeah, away. So my him and his wife Clara were guests that night during the pre- during the Lincoln assassination, and that was April fourteenth, eighteen sixty five, Ford's Theater in Washington D.C. So he was attending the show Our American Cousin, and Laura Keene was the lead actress that night. President Lincoln was set to attend the show and felt like he had to after, like, Ulysses S. Grant was, nah, fuck that. I'm not going. <laughs> like, he tried inviting him first, and he's like, no, I'm done. I, I think he might have tried to invite someone else, too, but I forget who. Oh, yeah. I, let me I check he, my schedule. Yeah. He, I don't know, man. He was busy that night. So after he backed out, Lincoln's like, fuck, I got to go. He's like, he felt like he like someone important had to be there that night in the in the box, I guess. So <laughs> they called everyone and they were like, I guess we'll just ask Lincoln. I don't. Yeah. Like, well, it's kind of like the, the Hamilton of the day, like that play, the um, Our American Cousin. That was Lincoln didn't really like crowds and neither did Grant. They were kind of like similar personalities. Oh, that's yeah. Because that's like that was the biggest thing, I guess. Right. Yeah. All right. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, I mean, one of them actually had a really good reason not to like crowds. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, actually, Lincoln had got shot at before, but he thought like, like he was going down in a wagon. He thought the wheel broke on the wagon. Yeah. And like, because the wheel broke, the shot missed his head. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> when was that? What? What? Do you, do you have any more information on? I that don't show? know the exact year, but uh, did you hear this from a friend of Lincoln's? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a first-person source. Okay, I, just, I thought I'd ask. You know, you never know. So that night, in that box, the presidential box during the show, there was Mary Todd Lincoln, there was Henry Rathbone, there was his future, there was his fiance Clara Harris, and then there was President Lincoln. So the orchestra was playing "Hail to the Chief" to the crowd, and everyone was getting hyped for this shit. Okay, and we have we have a sample of that. 
1,700 people were given an applause during this. And Lincoln was heard laughing through the whole start of the production. Like, he was, like, I guess he didn't want to go, and then he started loving it. He like, was like, you guys, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, I, you, I thought everybody this, hated me. Yeah, what's all this? You know, you win one war, and you're totally a hero now. So, policeman John Frederick Parker was assigned to stand guard outside the president's box, but he thought it would be a good idea to go to a bar with Lincoln's footman and coachman. <laughs> so he's like, I'm, he's on the job, and he's like, all right, uh, I'm I, going to drink. He's like, like, fuck it. He's like, what kind of trouble can the president get into in a fucking play? What, like, what, what? It's fine. He's like, we just took down half of the nation yeah. this weekend. We don't need to worry about he shit. He had one job. Yeah. Like, just watch the door. <laughs> and he's like, nah, I'm out. I don't have time for this shit. You got so, the shakes. Yeah, so yeah. this is when actor John Wilkes Booth made his entry into the box. He brought along a stick to dam jam the door behind him, and Booth knew exactly when he was going to take his shot. Now that is some cold calculated shit there. Yeah, so like this actor, Hen Harry Hawk, read the line, and it said, Well, I guess I know enough to turn you inside out, old gal. You sock." Dollagizing old man trap. That is an old <laughs> ass word. Look, at, I don't even. <laughs> you see this word? Sock dollagizing. Yeah. Any, I mean, if anyone has Google, I mean, obviously you'd hope most people listening to this has Google. <laughs> I don't even know what that word means. I think it means a guy who's tired of women taking their socks or like <laughs> hoodies. <you laughs> this know, getting a little too comfortable. Yeah. What How is she like? This is just so an It sounds like she's eating socks. Sock dollagizing. <laughs> it's like you're ingesting my socks. Booth knew this play. Like, he knew it very well. So he's waiting for that line to be set. Okay. Like, he knew that line was going to cause the laughter to, like, cover this thing. I don't know what he was thinking, though. Like, how is he going to cover this up with the laughter of the crowd? And, like, he thought he was just going to, like, sneak out of there, make <laughs> his escape, like, real quietly. He's like, like got him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no one saw that coming with a, like, you got to remember, these are musket pistols probably like this thing is probably like a derringer that looks like a magnum like yeah, one shot you're done yeah so he's waiting for everybody to laugh Things it gonna... gets you into trouble quickly but then it's hard to reload so yeah <laughs> just gonna <laughs> just give me a minute so during the attack booth was screaming the south is avenged revenge for the south six semper tyrannous meaning thus always to tyrants and uh, well, that was from uh, when they assassinated uh, Caesar, and it uh, thus only to tyrants. That basically means like all tyrants should be killed. Okay. And he wasn't too far off with Lincoln because he suspended like habeas corpus, like the right to a trial after you get arrested. So really? he was somewhat controversial even in the day. Like there is a case to say that he was like a benevolent tyrant. <laughs> Why he he got rid of due process for a time? Yeah, in the he United States he history. arrested. Um, he arrested reporters that did stories that were like against the war and like telling people like don't uh, enlist. And there was actually a Democratic senator that he actually deported to another country, which was Tennessee at the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> another country. You're going back to your native land <laughs> so, of Tennessee. If Trump if Trump did that today, like he deported a Democratic senator, people would be up in arms. That's true. I, yeah, I guess if you think of it that way, it's a little polarizing. Yeah. So, okay, I guess there was a reason for him to feel that way. 
Yeah. Because that's kind of something that is normally glossed over in the textbooks. Like, that's something you don't really hear about. Yeah. Well, everyone associates with him expanding civil rights, but he actually suspended them during the war for a little bit. Like, <laughs> wow. During this whole shit that was going down, John Wilkes Booth got into a tussle with Rathbone, and Rathbone was stabbed in the forearm. So Booth jumped onto the stage and ran to the side exit and made his way to a horse and he stabbed the orchestra leader along the way just for good shits and giggles. He's just like, -na 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 -na, and he's just like, Ugh! stabbed him. He's, he's like, like, what the fuck? He's like, Semper Orchestranus. <laughs> well, Booth probably like did plays there, worked there. So maybe that guy like <laughs> stole guy. his lunch one time. Yeah. Like, fucking Glenn. <laughs> Rathbone was left in the box with the body of the president. That gunshot that Booth took entered behind left ear and lodged itself into the frontal cortex. And everyone was screaming like oh, crazy. I can't imagine. Just like to think of the snapshot of that night. Just you're watching a play. You're just nothing is going on. Yeah. You know, it's just everyone's excited. Oh, my God. The president is here. Wow. Everyone's excited. Happy he's there. Clapping out of nowhere. A thespian blows his brains out in the middle of the play i, I can't imagine i mean the, the closest thing we have to even feeling that is just the kennedy assassination and even then yeah, yeah. we're so far removed from that it's and booth was pretty famous at, around that day like he was kind of like the tom cruise really of that day yeah he really <laughs> i got i got a great uh, play coming up called interview with a vampire <laughs> you guys are really gonna like it Rathbone, everyone was trying to get in this door, and Rathbone didn't know why no one could actually enter the door because Booth actually blocked it with that wooden stick. Yeah. Rathbone was cut pretty bad, and it actually dug all the way to the bone, and it hit his artery. Ugh. So he's sitting there with this wound and doesn't really know how serious it is, and despite him being totally fucked up, he sat with Mary Todd all night. That's a gentleman right there. Yeah, and I'm guessing they might have just tied off his arm or something. I don't really know how he's sitting there with, like, a cut artery and he's just sitting with her. Yeah, I, I'm not really too familiar with, like, that. He's probably of... running on shock for – well, he was probably <laughs> yeah. in shock, so he was just running on that for a while. Yeah, yeah very true. So I guess they got to it, and there was a death. there was a death vigil held, like, all night right outside the house they were in. And they did stabilize Lincoln, and they got his breathing under control, and it just wasn't enough. Mm. Lincoln died at 7.22 a.m., April 15th, 1865. Wow. And uh, that would be a night Rathbone would never forget. I mean, this play, this play probably started 12 hours ago. I mean, you know, that was 12 hours before that, probably 7 p.m. Mm -hmm. You're trying to make the president of the United States survive a gunshot wound to the head for 12 hours. Yeah, and they didn't really even, like, there's no exit wound. Like, yeah. it was lodged, like, in his head. Yeah. So they're just, like, they, that thing's got to stay in there. They're not oh. taking it out. So if he did survive, it would have had a bullet in his head. Yeah, that is, jeez. Mm, I don't think I'd forget that night if I was there either, to be honest. Yeah. That's crazy stuff. Yeah, and this and this makes Rathbone and Lincoln memorialized almost immediately because he would always be known as the guy inside the box yeah. that night. It actually would have been interesting if Lincoln survived, but he had like brain damage, so they would have had to like impeach him. You think that? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's uh, a parallel yeah, universe. And another, he can't universe. function. We got to impeach him so he can get somebody else. In Rathbone there. would have became president. <laughs> that, yeah, no, because honestly, he could have ran on that. Well. And, uh, uh, 
the guy who seceded him, Andrew Johnson, yeah, he was like borderline illiterate. He was a tailor by trade. Like he wasn't like a lawyer, like a lot of presidents. So were. we downgraded. Yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> so we did get a brain dead president. <laughs> For a little Essentially, bit. he was like a raging alcoholic, and like he got really nervous being in front of the cr- uh, crowd when he was being inaugurated because uh-huh. he was following a bang a- act with like Lincoln. He was like very presidential, did all those things, and then some schmuck from Tennessee who can barely read. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus and uh, Christ. it was rumored his wife would like read the bills to him so he could like understand what because he used to be in the I think the Senate. So it was rumored that his wife would read the stuff for him. <laughs> what was he just good at talking? Yeah, he was very so good. at he like, just like no one even thought about it because he was just swaying everyone. <laughs> well, nowadays we have like such professional lawyers and like presidents and stuff like that. And it was kind of just like the craziest, most charismatic guy would like run their area. And yeah. then they could get elected into politics. Read me legislation before we go to bed tonight, darling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess so. <laughs> so the like, so this is like right away he's shown in paintings and heroic lore and yeah. all this shit comes on him right away. I shouldn't have said comes on him, but um, <laughs> it's everywhere. <laughs> Who keeps painting these fucking pictures? I can't eat. It's everywhere. Also, like that before, like that night, Lincoln. Signed the bill to create the Secret Service before he left to go to the theater. <sighs> so, like, maybe if they had that, like, if Secret Service was already in play, yeah, like, there would have been more and not just some fucking dumbass officer yes. who, like, decides to get a drink <laughs> he's when like, he's guarding some... the president of the United States he's like, during a fucking war. I want some fucking loudmouth soup. I hope the president's going to be all right. But <laughs> oh, they got some yeah. good drink specials at the Ford Theater here. We'll go back to, like, Henry R. Rathbone was born July 1st, 1837, and he was one of four children. Mm. His father was Jared L. Rathbone, a merchant and a wealthy businessman, and he became the mayor of Albany. Wow. So he's he's from money. He, he's oh, yeah. always from oh, money. Oh, yeah. And first, like, I guess maybe first or second born American. That's the... Possibly. 1837. Yeah. Yes, that's 60 years after the independence of America, so he's... First uh, generation, I guess. Yeah, so his mother was Pauline Rathborn, and she was left as a widow after her husband's, husband's death in 1845. Okay. So, so Henry inherited $200,000, and that's $5.5 million in today's money. Ugh. And he, he was, what, 18, I think, if I'm doing the math right? Something like that. Jeez, he's and a, that's a come up. <laughs> he's a fucking teenager with $5 million. You know what they called that when I was a kid? Richie Rich, okay? Well, today he would just be a Vine or Instagram star. He wouldn't have been <laughs> yeah, a major yeah. in the U.S. Army. What's up, it's your boy, Henry <laughs> yeah, Rathbone? we'll be watching Rathbone, like, unbox mystery boxes on the internet. <laughs> just because he's spending money. Oh, man. So his mom, Pauline, went on to marry New York Senator Ira Harris. Okay. And Henry fell in love with his now stepsister, Clara Harris. Oh, man. So Clara Harris was Ira Harris's daughter, and he just loved the way she looked. He was like, you know what? He's like, I, I like keeping these kind of things in the family. <laughs> and uh, I, I had this dream of something called Game of Thrones. I know it, it, it doesn't make any sense right now, but I just, I just love it. Something about well, it. It's a pretty uh, popular genre on uh, Pornhub right now, so. Oh, yeah. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know all that. I think it's still yeah. going strong. <laughs> okay, we'll have to, I'll Google that on one of the PCs here at RS Studio. I live yeah. on that site. 
so, I think it's kind of just proximity. It was just being lazy. Yeah, it just, yeah. He's like, who can I date that lives the closest to me? It's convenient. We're in the same house. Yeah. It's like, I got all this the money. The next house is like 20 minutes away by walking. That's true. And they didn't have cars and shit. So I, I, I get it. So they became engaged right before the Civil War. Oof. And Rathbone briefly studied at Union College and was part of law partnership in Albany. He entered the Union Army at the start of the war, and he was a captain in the 12th Infantry. Okay. Now, he, I'm so sorry, Benoma. Do you know anything about the 12th Infantry in terms of Civil War history, or is that something that may be a little obscure? Uh, no, nah, I don't really. Uh, we can look it up in the uh, Library of Congress. They keep like pretty good records of enlistments. And you can track where he was, and he was at the Battle of Antietam and the Battle of Fredericksburg. And the Battle of Antietam's interesting for Civil War historians because it was the deemed one of the bloodiest days during the Civil War. Really? Yeah. Uh, and was that on both sides, or just the North or the South? Like, how would you? The North was like, we technically won because the South left the battlefield first, <laughs> but the Union lost way more people, so... That sounds like when a couple fights, and it's like, no, <laughs> you broke up with me because you hung I up. I unfriended you on Facebook first. Yeah, I unfriended <laughs> you, so you dumped me. <laughs> so, uh, and it, it's interesting, um, you can kind of tell who felt they won the battle by how the battle was named, because okay. the Battle of Antietam's named after Antietam Creek. And the Union would name battles after the closest uh, body of water. Okay. But the Confederates would name it after, like, the closest city. So the Confederates and, you know, misguided people in the South today okay. who think that it was a war of northern aggression, oh. they call it Sharpsburg. Oh, okay. Cool. Very interesting. And then the Battle of Fredericksburg, any... So he was there as well? Well, the Battle of Fredericksburg was wild because there's an interesting part of it. It was, like, eight, eight month, over eight months... So, but there was a little uh, interesting battle called the Battle of the Crater, and uh, they were actually two years apart. So this is two years later after Antietam, and okay. he witnessed all this bloodshed. The Battle of the Crater was uh, actually this one officer called Pleasance, which is, <laughs> I thought it was a funny <laughs> Officer Pleasance. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> he was a, a mining engineer from Pennsylvania. And he had this brilliant idea, and he pitched it to Meade, who was also from Pennsylvania. He was, like, the major general that was running the whole campaign. So he pitched this idea. They were both, like, uh, in trenches, like World War One-style trenches. So they were trying to break the, the so, stalemate. So these guys were, like, this is in, I'm, I'm assuming this is, like, the 1800s for Civil War. They're doing yeah. trench warfare with muskets during this battle. Yeah. That is, I've never heard that before today. Like, that is something that still shocks me, that they were doing this. And this was an yeah. eight-month-long battle. Yeah, because the, the Confederates were kind of, like, pushed up against the wall. Fredericksburg's, like, the big rail hub before Richmond, which was the capital. Okay. So they needed to defend this, like, no matter what. And the Union was like, we need to take this no matter what because we need to end this war. Mm. And it was kind of the summer of 1864, so, like, the elections are coming up in, like, November so oh. they're like, we need to end this as soon as possible because mm -hmm. Lincoln needed to get reelected. Yeah. And Lincoln had actually broke from his own party. He broke from the Republicans. He made his own party. Really? Yeah, it was like the Union Party, I think. Oh, man. He was on shaky ground. Like, the, the yeah, Republic, he didn't, he most didn't of the country was, was pissed at him. He was like, I don't know if I'm going to get reelected, guys. So you better fucking win some goddamn battles. Like, <laughs> I'm, the, I'm named after your Send army. Send everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the uh, Pleasants, he, he digs this... Uh, tunnel underneath the trenches for the confederates from the union trenches 
And he was actually pretty ingenious. Like, he uh, ventilated it halfway through by putting a shaft up. But he knew he couldn't put shafts up closer to Confederates because they would see it. Yeah. So about halfway through, he built a fire. So the air f- would come through because of the fire, and it would ventilate the whole shaft. Oh, okay. So this guy was actually, like, one of the best engineers of his day. <laughs> and Meade was like, oh, this is a little pet project. Let him do his thing. Yeah. So they were, like, they were just placating this guy, like... Get out of here. <laughs> let him go. Yeah, no. so, he's, not, he's not firing the gun. He's fucking digging. Just let him do his thing. So Henry and Clara were the favorites in all these social circles. Like they got in. Once they, he's got the money. His dad was a senator and like they're going to, they're partying. Okay. Like in these, these social circles. And Ira Harris was a close friend of Lincoln. This is how Henry got close with him. And Henry and Clara were invited by Lincoln at the last minute after a couple of other guests said they couldn't attend, which we kind of said that already with, uh, you know, Ulysses backing out. Yeah. That scumbag. Lincoln was looking through his phone. He's like, I don't have fuck. He's like, I'm all the, like, I passed Grant. I Half my fucking friends are dead. He's like, yeah. I, I'm in R, like, and he's in his iPhone. R, who the fuck? Rath? I'm going to call Rathbone. That motherfucker's never doing anything. <laughs> I know he's just hanging out with his sister, fucking weirdo. So, <laughs> so, yeah, he, so like days after Lincoln was pronounced dead, Clara was photographed in the dress she wore that night in the box. Yeah. So like after that whole shit, blood was spraying. I think it might have been Rathbone's blood Oof. because uh, when she when the artery got cut, um, everyone was screaming and they thought it was Lincoln's blood. Yeah. But that bullet just lodged. So there wasn't like his was spraying everywhere, I don't think. It was Rathbone's artery that was just covering the whole box that night. So her blood, uh, his blood on the dress, but it was from that night. So it held an importance like she was wearing that and this is where it all happened. And what's funny is that there's a parallel to that. If you Again, going back to the Kennedy assassination where Jackie, Jackie Kennedy wore the dress that her husband... Uh, his blood was splattered all over that, and she was being like, you know, harassed by different people, and and constantly being harangued, and she didn't stop. So it's it's very similar in terms of like Claire is wearing the same dress that has blood covered in it, presumably from the president. It's it's really crazy that that's a parallel that happened, uh, you know. Yeah. After the show, Henry and Clara were harassed by journalists. And every time they were in public, and especially after like every anniversary of the assassination, Rathbone finally got married to Clara. But they were being harassed like mm. nonstop. Anywhere they went, this was the guy. They were there. <laughs> I needed to talk to him. Why didn't you stop this? Hey, hey, aren't you that guy? Go away. <laughs> aren't you that failure that failed to like protect our president? Yo, ain't you that pussy in the picture in the library? <laughs> Yo, who are you, man? Who are you? Where are you going? Like people are painting vaginas on his paintings. Like, yeah, just like they're writing in like really nice cursive, like douchebag or coward and cursive. Yeah. So they, they, they finally, they finally got married and they had three kids and they moved to Europe. Oh, okay. Henry... Like, he's going through all this depression, but he started his diplomatic career at this point. Yeah. So he's trying to get into it. He's out of the Army. And in 1882, he was appointed to the U.S. Consul to the province of Hanover by President Chester A. Arthur. Okay. Very, very cool. Uh, And it's interesting because, like, Germany had only been a unified country for, like, 12 years at that point. So he was kind of just, like, throwing him a bone, like, 
just get out of Merrick. We'll just. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, why don't you go lay low for a while? But I'm yeah, sure like... that was better for him, though. He's like, he can get out of the country, and he probably wasn't getting harassed as much. Oh, yeah. In, like, no one probably even knew who he was, really. I don't really know, but I'm guessing they didn't know who he was that much. Yeah, that's he true. doesn't have yeah, to, they... every waking second, he's being harassed about this. Yeah. Yeah, the German people are too busy hiking naked and all that. <laughs> <in the> spas. <laughs> thinking about reclaiming territory. They're like, I don't know why, but like in a couple hundred years, I'm really thinking about like, I really want to fuck this. Hey, scary. you guys want to take over the world? Yeah, I, you know, I was thinking about that. I was fucking thinking about that. Nah, we'll do it later. <laughs> 17 years after the night in the theater, uh, Henry's, like health problem he had like these strange health problems like headaches increased and he's hearing voices and all his paranoia started to get worse and worse and something in was in his mind was telling him that he could have done something to stop booth that night oh my god and he lived with that every day he thought he could have changed history i mean if you think about it he's being told that every day I mean, every person that knew who this man was was probably just saying, you could have done something. You could have stopped him. I mean, going back to that night, I know that he was the gentleman who managed to grab Booth before he jumped out of the theater box and it managed to make Booth break his leg, thus making it easier for them to find him. But that's not enough to people. It wasn't enough. Yeah. He, he got his arm cut. He almost died. And this man still thinks he could have done more. Yep. It's it's guilt. It's survivor's guilt. That's just it. It's like when Bin Laden got shot. Like everybody was claiming, oh, I was the guy on SEAL Team Six that took him out. <laughs> Booth. They when they finally got a hold of him, they set the barn on fire he was in, and then like a bunch of Union troops were like, no, I shot him. No, I shot him. Yeah, so yeah, they're all yeah. trying to claim that they got him. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we just tell everyone that we all shot him? <laughs> I can just picture like everyone shooting in there and then someone just walks up with like a Molotov cocktail and just throws it in. It's like, I got him. <laughs> someone just went like over the top and like went insane. Everyone else is just like shooting regular. Fuck this. And this dude comes out of the woods with like fucking grenades and shit. <laughs> shit that hasn't even been invented yet. Time traveler. I'm calling it now. Yeah. Time traveler. He described that like these voices were in his walls. Like Ooh. Henry was hearing these voices in his paintings. People were talking to him and he described them as injurious vapors that were pouring into his head. Oh, that's that sounds like just like those creeping thoughts of just like, you know, you could have done something. <laughs> you could have not let the president die. Yeah, so your wife is your sister. <laughs> Well, it's like internet comments, like, you're a cook. Yeah, he's getting, yeah, he's getting YouTube comments <laughs> sent directly to his brain. That's what uh, Twitter does to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the first Twitter he invented. <laughs> so he thought, and he thought his wife, Claire, was cheating on him, and he was jealous of the love that he she showed their children. Oof. Oh, so man. he didn't want his own wife to love his own children. Oh, that's... that's because he felt... Like he was not a part of. I, yeah, I mean, think about it. This is a guy who's been just knocked down. He's being told, you could have done more. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. And then he's feeling it at home. Just insanity. Perfect insanity. It's Christmas Eve. They got the tree up. Everyone's about, everyone's ready. We're cook, making cookies, leaving them out for Santa. Yeah, he's like, what are we doing, man? He's like, you know, got some last minute shopping to do. Chilling, like hanging out. It's yeah. nice. 
lights her up, and he attacked his children. Whoa. Christmas Eve, he starts attack. He walks into their bedroom, and he shuts the door, and he starts attacking them. Ugh. So Clara jumps in, and she does everything she can to try to stop him. That's and during the struggle, Henry shot her. Ugh. Oh, my God. Her body hit the ground, and he continued stabbing her as many times as he could. In front of the kids. In front of the kids. Then it's three kids as well. Yeah. Oh, my God. Christmas Eve. Chris, what, what, a, what a holiday. I mean, I've heard of a white <laughs> Christmas, but a red Christmas. Oh, I love it. That's, oh. It just makes it better. I guess so. It's the color of Christmas. That's just, yeah. Santa was like, I don't know why, but I'm wow. really liking the red here. Sounds like a good time. Well, maybe one of his kids was like, you didn't get me the Cabbage Patch doll of the day. And he was like, fuck, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> yeah, he just finally, that's <laughs> made Daddy, I don't like my presents. He's like, Dad, you know, you could have got me a Cabbage Patch kid like you could have saved the president. Motherfucker! Just <laughs> leaps over the table. It's very sad, though. Very oh, sad. yeah. He's, uh... Kids were traumatized by it, and Henry himself was also traumatized by it. And once he, like, got out of, like, he's stabbing her to death, and he snaps out of it, he's like, fuck, what did I just do? So he starts stabbing himself in the chest. And he stabbed himself about five times, and he was not able to kill himself. Man, couldn't save the president, couldn't kill himself. Yeah, he sucks. Just, his resume is not looking good at no, this point. can't do anything except kill his wife, yeah. which he accomplished. <laughs> he got the achievement for that. Very sad, very sad. Uh, yeah, First absolutely. Blood. Oh, <laughs> God. So when Henry woke up in the hospital, he tried to blame the murder on someone else. Oh He's like, nah, I wasn't I'm like, what do you mean? They I tried saw- to, I tried to stop this guy. They saw my Christmas tree. <laughs> they saw how nice my house looked. They killed my wife. They beat my kids up. Yeah. I, and he's, he's trying said, to John Benet Ryan, Ramsey defense. Oh god! <laughs> oh my god! Let's not even get into that. <laughs> That's another episode. But, um, yeah. So he tried all his wounds that he gave to himself. He tried saying someone else stabbed him. Oh man! And needless to say, the courts didn't believe him. Oh, of course not. <laughs> I mean, they're like um, story didn't hold up. They're like you have like look. We don't have forensics right now, but you have the knife. And you got stabbed <laughs> with that knife, and and like your wife got stabbed a lot by that knife, and your kids are telling us that you stabbed both of you. So <laughs> they could com- probably tell too. Like if he was right-handed, he'd be stabbing himself in the left side of his body, probably. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Or if he was left-handed, they probably didn't even look into it. They're like, "You're you did it." Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> they Shot just, your mouth. They looked at him like, "Aren't you the dude who can't?" You know, and he's like, oh, "I did it." <laughs> Me. He was convicted. They couldn't charge him with murder because he pleaded insanity. So they didn't actually charge him with murder. Okay. They just uh, said he was insane and threw him in the asylum for the criminally insane in Hildesheim, Germany. Okay. Hmm. All three children were sent back to the U.S. to live with their uncle, William Harris. Oh, man. Remember the dress the dress that she got photographed in, the yeah. dress that was blood, Clara's dress that was blood splattered and that, that was, night. That was the Lincoln assassination. We're yeah, talking about. yeah. So during the assassination, uh, that dress that got splattered, she stored that dress in a closet in Albany, New York. Okay. Before she was killed, and before she went to Germany, before she went Rathbone. to Germany, she stored that dress in a closet. Okay. After she thought she was visited from Lincoln's ghost, uh-huh. she thought 
that the dress was like a sign, like it was haunted, yeah, or something. I don't know. It didn't really say what he said to her. She saw Lincoln's ghost, so she took that dress, she put it in her closet in Albany, and bricked it up. She literally built a wall and bricked the whole closet up. And I'm guessing she needed a whole new wardrobe because were her other clothes in there too? (laughs) Henry's like, like, baby, baby, do you want to get you? She's like, no, fucking, just board it up. I saw fucking Lincoln. And what did he say? What did he say? He's like. Sweetie, you're never going to get the stains out of that trap. <laughs> and she's like, I just got to get rid of all of it. White after Labor Day? Yeah, white, <laughs> white after Labor Day. So in 1910, her eldest son knocked down the brick wall and burned the dress. Oh, my God. So after everyone was dead and stuff, he said that it cursed his whole family. So he wanted to get it and burn it. This is just, this sounds like a family of unstable people. Yeah, like just, they're like, they make the worst moves ever. Yeah, they're like, you know, I'm going to wear the dress that the president was shot in. I'm going to board it up and seal it up in my house. And then my son's going to think it's cursing our family. Yeah, like anything they did, it just went downhill. Yeah. That dress was also the subject of a book, The White Satin Dress by Mary Andrews. And I didn't get a chance to read that, but I just thought it was cool that that whole book was based on it. Yeah. And after spending the rest of his life in the asylum, Henry died August 14th, 1911. Wow. I think there was there was also an article of a doctor that went to visit him yeah. during this, and he that's where he said like the injurious vapors and stuff. He kind of explained that he wouldn't talk about the assassination. Yeah. And he would not talk about his wife. Like he just would not say a word about it. That's interesting. So he got, yeah. So like a doctor visited him way later on after he died, he was buried next to his wife in the city cemetery at Hanover. And since their plots went without any recent activity, the city management exhumed the bodies and disposed of them in 1952. That is, to me, this is this is something that is just, when I read all this, I was blown away. Because it's just, this guy was there when one of the most influential presidents in American history was taken down. And he, he lived such a strange life. Like, I've never heard of this person before researching this. Mm-hmm. And then to find out that after all of these things, doing all this crazy shit, there's not even a living record of him in, in our timeline. Like, there's no burial plot. We barely hear about him in textbooks. He's only known as the dude to Lincoln's left. Yeah. And even in death, they could, he couldn't rest. Yeah. So they just dug up his bones and just straight disposed of him. Ugh. That's... So Henry's son, Henry Riggs Rathborn, yeah. became a Republic congressman. And he purchased the old Royd Lincoln collection in 1926. And that provided the foundation for the Ford's Theater Museum. Oh. I was looking up some stuff and Osborne Old Royd would collect and sell Lincoln artifacts. Okay. From like right when he got out of the war, he collected for like 66 years or something. And he put that together. So now we have the Ford's Theater Museum oh. where you can go learn about Henry there we go. I mean, and, and even then, he might just be only a paragraph in that theater. That's yeah. that's so. Which might crazy. be a painting of him. That's it. And he's and he's like he's he's doing that flinching like no. He's got yeah like, yeah. Like they got him in the most. I think he's pointing or something. He's I like, don't know why he's pointing. He fucking did it. <laughs> it wasn't me. He yeah. fucking did it. Yeah. That's it on Henry Rathbone. I yeah. I mean, this guy. I think clearly suffering PTSD. I mean, Sean, you were you were talking about the Battle of Fredericksburg and the Battle of the Crater. 
yeah, and it would have exacerbated his like feeling of you know not getting stuff done and being frustrated because like after they d- dug that miner to the trenches, they put like thousands of pounds of TNT and blew it up, and they only killed like two hundred Confederates. Ugh. They had rehearsed this for months, and it was, the plan was as soon as it explodes, everybody just rushes the the trenches because they're like, oh, there's gonna be a breakthrough. We need to like push the Confederates out. This is our chance. Yeah. And they spent months training, uh, I think it was two regiments of the United States Colored Troops. And they trained them to, like, put ladders up and, like, get over the trenches real fast. Like, this is stuff that we used later on in World War One. Meade, at the last minute, said, we can't use them. Oh. It's going to look bad in the press if a bunch of uh, Colored Troops get killed. Yeah, it's not good. And it looks like we're just sending them to the slaughter. So he put in, like, a actually less trained white regiment to do it. And the white regiment's own commander was, like, a known alcoholic. And (laughs) he never actually told the white regiment, like, as soon as it explodes, run. So, actually, after the explosion, they just sat there for 15 minutes and were like... And that gave the the Confederates enough time to recover. Yeah, so they just, like, the explosion just left a crater. So, when they actually did finally charge, they just were in a hole. And that was all the Union fell into this hole. Fucking idiots. Yeah. So, if Rathbone was present in any part of this... This this is a guy who's seeing friends, soldiers, everything, just people shooting him like fish in a bucket. And yeah. Then he's he relives it in a way when he sees Lincoln, he's stuck in another spot, can't help them, and he can't even get out. It's it's just I feel like this is a guy who had some serious post traumatic stress. It's just like sports. We had the better black regiment, and we decided <laughs> to take him, put him on the bench. Yeah. And then, you know, and then we got, then we find out and the coach is an alcoholic. Yeah. And he's like, guys, he's like, I, I didn't know this was today. I, yeah. <laughs> my bad. I thought it said Saturday. They put the other S on there. <laughs> Shit. But it was kind of a disaster, but they were trying to like make it seem like, oh, the union, we, we did good. We tried. So they actually <laughs> gave, best. they gave Pleasance like a medal for it. Like, even though your plan screwed up, in theory, it would have worked. <laughs> good <laughs> job, Pleasance. <laughs> Here's your participation trophy. Yeah, you got the best participation <laughs> the medal. First partici- participation award ever given. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it on Henry Rathbone. Yeah. And this is The Fate. I mean, episode one of The Fate, Henry Rathbone. Thank you for listening. Again, we appreciate all the listeners we have out there. I'm your co-host, Mike Mack. Mike Bonomo. And our special guest, Sean Klein. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.